Welcome to Campaign Chemistry, where we pick the brains of creative alchemists, business wizards, and marketing geniuses behind the world's greatest brands. T-Brand Studio helps marketers tap into the New York Times' huge and valuable audience with custom integrations that span its massive portfolio. Vita Cornelius, VP Creative Advertising and T-Brand Studio at the New York Times, leads the team to apply the rigor and standards of Times journalism to client storytelling. A commitment to diverse stories is clear throughout the work. One example is T-Brand's partnership with Google to roll out the Pixel 6 with Real Tone, a new feature that allows the phone's camera to capture a greater variety of skin tones more accurately. The campaign, called Picture Progress, includes a two-minute video with photographers explaining how the feature works, as well as print and digital integrations with the Times. In this episode, Cornelius talks about how the Times approaches storytelling for brands, how T-Brand is adapting as the publisher launches into new lifestyle verticals, and sheds insight into her career across the agency, brand, and publisher sides of the business. I'm Allison Weisbrot, editor of Campaign US, and you're listening to Campaign Chemistry. Hi, Vita. How are you? Good. I'm good. How are you? I'm good. Thank you for being here. Awesome. I'm super excited to talk to you today because I'm a huge New York Times fangirl slash nerd. So really excited to have you on the podcast. Talk to me a little bit, a bit about your role. For those who don't know, what is T-Brand Studio and what do you do there? Yeah, T-Brand Studio is the content studio within New York Times Advertising. Um, it's a team of makers, uh, creators. You know, we have creative directors, designers, editors, writers, video producers, audio producers. So a full team, creative team um, that I'm responsible for. And uh, my role here is to make sure that, you know, as a creative team, we are delivering storytelling that is befitting of our audience and befitting of the times uh, and knowing that we are really working towards helping brands, you know, make their mark in the world through that type of of inspired uh, storytelling that we deliver. So so that's my main remit every day is to make sure our creative is moving that needle forward. In addition to that, I have like the functional responsibilities of operations uh, and just making sure that T-Brand Studio keeps the wheels on <laughs> and we and we make sure that we are always moving in the right direction in lockstep with our larger strategy. Awesome. So talk a little bit about um, the work that T-Brand does because you're working on behalf of brands, but it's a little bit different than a your typical agency, right? Because you're within the time. So talk about how that changes the offer a little bit. Yeah. I mean, working with brands and sitting on this, you know, within uh, the New York Times as an enterprise, you know, we really look at ourselves as the bridge that connects brands to, and then their advertising messages to cultural moments that matter. So different than their above the line agencies that might be, you know, launching a specific product or, or, you know, taking on the remit of, of kind of helping create awareness of something that the brand is doing, you know, they would come to us more so to, you know, help them be a part of a, a relevant conversation where as a brand, you know, they can, they can take part in that conversation in a real incredible way. So I look at our role with brands as one where we really do help them move the conversation forward uh, and be credible in the conversations of culture. And and those are the things that really matter to our audiences as well. Yeah. So I know T-Brands has done a ton of cool stuff on behalf of of brands, but talk, maybe talk a little bit about like, give an example of the work that you've done on behalf of a brand and how that shows up within the New York Times portfolio. Yeah. So uh, I I would love to use 
the, our Google Pixel 6 work most recently. Um, you know, we are very proud of it. It, it was a collaborative effort with Google, with the team at Google, uh, some of their above the line agencies. And, and we actually, you know, captured a, a mobile lion, a Grand Prix lion at Cannes for it this year. So that campaign was called Picture Progress. It was in support of their launch of the Pixel 6 camera with uh, real tone technology. So for us, our role in that was the brand actually was a part of the conversation with regards to image equity. They wanted to be in that conversation. It was actually an article in the New York Times that sparked um, their engineers even pursuing that technology, knowing that images and photography was not calibrated for skin of color. So that technology was sort of prompted by a piece of journalism that existed in the Times years ago. They did come to us at T-Brand to help them with that messaging in terms of how to be a credible part of that conversation. How could we tell that story with them, alongside them, as a way of be going beyond just a typical product launch. Um, so it was one where we felt very strongly about helping them tell that story in a, in a real, incredible way. And our DEI commitment that we use within T-Brand, which is our storytelling commitment, it's how we go about as creators making sure that all the work we do is equitable and inclusive and representative. So this was right up our alley. Um, so how the work shows up on the Times platform itself, uh, it was in the form of pay posts, uh, we create a, a full creative ecosystem of our products, you know, so a combination of flex frames, audio, print. So as the story is unfolded to our audiences, uh, it really does create a journey for them to follow along with the brand's message, but really see how they're supporting this initiative for representative uh, storytelling and imagery. Yeah, that's that's super interesting. Talk about the conversations you have with um, with a client like Google to, to make something like this happen, because I'm sure that they could, you know, do the typical like Google six pixel launch, do an ad campaign, run it everywhere, which they probably did alongside this. But what is it that drives brands to partner with the Times on these more like in-depth kind of initiatives for for the Times specific audience? I feel like brands come to us because they know, number one, you know, our storytelling is going to be authentic. Uh, it's going to be credible. We're going to use, you know, the same level of rigor to make sure that uh, the stories that we are crafting are ones that our audiences uh, will believe and feel are delivering, you know, information that helps them better understand the world. I believe the brands also see us as a premium partner. They see us as being able to deliver not only the audiences, but the, the thought leadership in the way that we do our work that really does advance what their advertising messages are, are meant to be. So, um, you know, we always feel uh, very open to making sure when we work with brands that we let them know, you know, very honestly how we want to tell stories, how we want to move their their overall brief forward, if you will. Mm -hmm. um, and that's something I feel, you know, very strongly about with the team as a way of making sure that our creativity is always innovative, but it's but it's inspired. And that inspiration comes across in everything that we do. Yeah, it's um, it's super interesting. So talk about like, I love the connection between like the Times journalism and the rigor that you put behind that as and bringing that to brand storytelling. Like does T-Brand mm -hmm. have journalists on the teams you work with with editorial folks? Like how do you sort of ensure that um, you're you're meeting the Times editorial quality in all of the work that you do for, for your clients as well? Um, we literally, you know, we, we, 
we work with our own, you know, with our own standards, right? We are, we are not the newsroom. I want to be very clear about that. Um, but the, the editors and writers on our team, you know, they are still very vested in, um, you know, making sure that the reporting they're doing, the interviewing that they're doing, um, we is actual and factual. You know, we do fact check, of course, the work that we do um, when we receive even information from our clients. We always want to make sure that you know the work that we're using to craft the stories is indeed something that we can you know verify and make sure that as we as we're working with the data that we're receiving, that it is fact checked for our purposes. Right. So our team is really diligent about that in terms of making sure that the storytelling that we're delivering can always be seen as credible. And that's something that they they work very hard to do. We know that our audiences come to us because they want to understand the thematics and the cultural moments in the world. So we want to make sure that the work that we're delivering on behalf of a brand is just that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So Mm -hmm. I want to follow up on something you said before about the Times and T Brand's commitment to diversity and inclusion. Obviously, the Google Pixel work is an example of that. But talk a little bit more about that. How do you keep inclusion, diversity? at the forefront of the work that T brand does for, for its clients. So we, so the, for, the storytelling commitment we have is something that um, was developed out of, you know, we actually worked with, and I'll give uh, props to another Vita, Vita Harris, who is the, the chief strategy officer over at FCB. Um, we met with her and, you know, she really did share with us some great and valuable tools on diversity and inclusion and working creatively and what you can do as a creative team to make sure that you're always thinking through a diverse and inclusive lens. So we developed our own um, sort of approach to to some of the, the techniques she gave us. And one of the things that the team does is we created something called pause moments in our work where, you know, the team will come together. First and foremost, we always try to assign our teams in a way where we're looking at making sure we have diverse perspectives of, of the team that's actually working on the work. Um, and then throughout the creative process, the team does take advantage of what we call pause moments to make sure we're discussing things like casting or angle of story, or, you know, is this the best approach? Should we be using a different vendor to tell this story alongside of us? Can they lend more credibility from behind the lens, so to speak, right? Whoever we're working with. Um, So that process of just working for one is a way that we always ensure that, that we are keeping um, diversity and inclusion at the forefront. The other thing I mentioned was the storytelling commitment which is an actual manifesto that we put in all of our proposals so that our clients actually know, you know, that this is what we believe in as a creative ethos. And we're going to make sure that that is something that is a part of the work that we're doing for them. So it's not a, a, an actual contract, if you will, but it is something that is a statement Mm -hmm. of purpose that helps brands that work with us understand, you know, the rigor and integrity that we're putting into the work from that front. Yeah. What's in that manifesto? Um, it just, it kind of, uh, I could read it for you. I didn't have it pulled up, but I could read it for you, but it's, it's, uh, it summarizes that, you know, our, our goal is to always, um, work with people who can bring diverse perspectives to the work, but we know the importance of diverse perspectives is what makes the work truthful and honest and credible. So um, that's kind of the the Mm. crux of it. It's written far more elegantly by one of our editors, Rhonda McCain. Um, She was, she took the lead in crafting that manifesto, which I'd love to read for you. I I, I have to find a, I have to find a deck that has (laughs) it in it and, and read it to you, but I could probably do that towards well, the end maybe of this, if you find it. it. It definitely is something. Yeah, yeah, it's something. It, I have it handy. Let me. Let yeah, me well, while you're looking for, I find it, but I don't. I don't pause our conversation. No, to no, do, no. Well, <laughs> to look it while up. you're while you're searching for it, it's really interesting. Like, do you? 
I know you've, you've worked in the agency world. You've worked at the brand side, you worked at publisher side. Like, have you ever seen companies use manifestos like this, whether it's agency or not in terms of like their diversity commitments? I have not, I have not. And that was, that was one of the reasons why us crafting this when, when the time came and we thought about, you know, we should really make a statement of purpose out of this. It was very compelling to me. And I think it was very interesting to a lot of the clients that we introduced it to because it was, it was something that I don't think was overtly stated, but it was something that was showing that we were putting a real stake in the ground about how we wanted to go about making sure that we were holding ourselves mm-hmm. accountable, you know, and not and not doing work is particularly in this time frame, you know, coming out of 2020, it was a it was a hard time of racial unrest. And, you know, it was very easy for advertisers to do work that felt opportunistic, you know, and just kind of leaning into something that was happening. For us, it was an opportunity to say, no, this is this is literally what we're what is in the core and DNA of how we operate. Um, so we want to make sure that as we do this work for you, it does not come across that way on your behalf either, you know. So I think that was something that was really compelling yeah. for, for a lot of brands to know. Yeah. Do you find that the reaction has been positive from that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes, uh-huh. for sure. I also, I want to shift gears a little bit and talk about um, how T-Brand kind of fits into the Times business strategy. Obviously the Times has amassed a huge subscriber base. Subscription has been the focus for a long time for the business, but now you see advertising kind of entering spaces like gaming, where does T-Brand fit in? Like where do these sort of custom client activations fit in among the balance between subscribers and advertisers? I mean, we sit solidly on the business side, you know, of the equation. You know, our work exists on the platform, you know, in the form of advertising that lives on various spaces within the New York Times overall platform and ecosystem. As brands are able to, we um, have events, you know, there's times events and things like that, that the that brands can be a part of and sponsor like tip polls like DealBook, for example. But we try and make sure that those connections are truly authentic and work on, in, on behalf of not only the brand, but also are very supportive of the journalism itself. We're very careful, obviously, not to cross the lines between church and state. And so our work does exist very solidly on the business side of the, of the house, but we support the mission in that we know that Advertisers are very important to how the the overall strategy is structured. It's still a very important part of the New York Times mission and how we support the journalism. Um, But in terms of our storytelling at T-Brand, it really is about making sure that the advertising messages that we're crafting are additive to the reader experience. They're not interrupted Mm -hmm. in any way. Yeah. I mean, the idea of like sponsored content, publisher, brand, and like custom integrations, it's been around for a while, right? So talk about how... um, your approach to storytelling for brands is changing. Like I know the Times experiments with tons of technologies, whether that's AR or VR, there's now this, all this hype around the metaverse. Like talk about how T-Brand is evolving the way it tells stories on behalf of brands. I mean, we're definitely looking at in every way possible, how do we innovate? You know, how, how do we innovate? I always tell the team, that we think, you know, think of our platform as like an ocean, <laughs> you know, an ocean that has infinite depths. And how do we look at just in general, how the New York Times platform enables us to really develop these unique creative ecosystems that become, you know, literally journeys for our advertiser to move our audience through and discover. 
We look at the storytelling as a way to develop more immersive experiences, rather it's through the technology that we're exploring in the advances in our actual products. The storytelling itself, the team is like very heavily vested in video. We're doing really, really great pieces of video right now. I'm very proud of the video work that the team is doing. So more of that long form, you know, video content is something that we're, we're pushing into even further and getting more requests for. The team is consistently pursuing various storytelling avenues when it comes to the writing, whether it's first person narratives, like interview formats, which are more traditional. Uh, but I think all of those things in combination still allow T-Brand to tell very complete and holistic stories on our platform um, using all of our best ad products. And, and that to me is something that that still feels like it's moving our content at T-Brand specifically mm. forward. What about podcasts? We're recording a podcast right now. How popular is, is that offering? Well, yeah, podcasts for sure. I can't believe I didn't uh, think to mention podcasts. I mean, we've been doing gangbusters with with branded podcasts. Um, we had an amazing podcast experience that launched with Amex, our next chapter. The Accenture podcast, Built for Change, continues uh, to be, you know, and I think we're in season three or four right now. Um, I have to go back and ask the team. I might be a le- even a little bit behind there. But definitely in the audio space, I mean, the branded podcast is something we've done great work in and clients have been very happy there. I- I'm a- I'm particularly impressed with our team in doing the branded podcast because they found ways to create narratives that, yes, we're, we're talking to a specific audience, for example, business, you know, we're, we're going after the business audience, so to speak, for something like Amex Next Chapter. But the storytelling that the team was able to devise was such that it created a provocation of like, if each of these authors could write the next chapter of their book, what would it be? So it goes beyond business to like life lessons. And it really becomes something that opens up the aperture to not just an audience that has read the book or is familiar with this particular business thought leader, but it becomes lessons in life, you know, and it becomes a larger opening, you know, and I love how that storytelling is allowed to, you know, really make the brand move forward that we're working and doing the, the podcast on behalf of, uh, but also still serving the audiences that we know, you know, are the core to that concept. So as the Times kind of pushes into this vertical strategy with gaming and cooking and more lifestyle content, like, are you expanding the areas where you can help brands tap into the Times? Yeah, we're hoping, you know, we're, we're working on some strategies now of like, you know, where does our ad product continue to live across the platform? Um, I have every expectation that as that expands, you know, we will be able to, you know, help brands live in those spaces as well. Currently, we are always able to find amazing, you know, kind of tentpole moments that the newsroom does in order to support um, some of the journalism there. So, for example, the great franchise around uh, Black History Continued that was that was created back in 2021. That was a great opportunity for us to work with Ancestry.com as as a brand that was able to, you know, kind of sit alongside some of that journalism with the advertising we did there. So that level of storytelling uh, is always something that we feel is, is, is very strong when it comes to, you know, supporting some of the more editorial franchises. So I expect that we'll have the same level mm-hmm. of success, you know, when we're able to move into spaces more fully like cooking and games and, and other lifestyle content. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think also as the Times moves into lifestyle, it's also sort of pushing into like events, right? Like I know there's New York Times cooking, uh, like food festival there's different things like whether it's, uh, you know, more of an in-person gathering or different opportunities to connect with audiences online. Do you see places for, for brands in that as well? 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like Foo Fest this year's hasn't happened yet. That's coming up. But from a couple of years ago when the pan, you know, the first one when before the pandemic, we definitely had, you know, a great amount of, of advertiser interest in that. Um, I personally was at Fake Love at the time when when Yogi T did a great activation there um, as part of that event. You know, so we are seeing that brands are are willing to, you know, be a part of these more in-person. And I hope seeing more of that now that we're fully back, I think, into the world. Brands are yeah. ready to take part in more of these in-person kind of experiences as a way of expanding their their footprint and their engagement with audiences. So I'm really excited to see what, what more we do from an event side so that we can mm-hmm. make sure that um, we have an offering for, for brands to be a part of it. Yeah. So I want to talk a little bit about your career. I mentioned before you have experience at agencies, brands, and now publisher. Mm-hmm. How has that kind of shaped like your approach to working with brands, uh, working with brands in the remit of a specific publisher? Like, talk about how that's that has has molded your experience. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> you know, it's funny because having all three of those experiences has been great for me because you know when you're in the agency world, yes, you do the work. The client takes it away for a couple of weeks. You have no idea what goes on behind those closed doors. They come back with a new directive, you know, um, having now had an opportunity to be at a brand, right? You get to know what those com- conversations are behind those closed doors and what are the decisions that are driving what then becomes, you know, the new remit or the new direction that the agency receives. So I feel like I, I've had the opportunity to now uh, be able to see all sides, if you will, of of, a, of an assignment when it comes in. You know, I kind of know mm-hmm. what the interest needs to be of the agency partner that might be involved, what the vested interest is, obviously, of the client and how they need to be directed or what might be on their mind uh, from a business perspective. And then now being at a publisher, knowing how you are being asked to kind of come in and support a larger, you know, marketing message, but with a very specific lane, you know, uh, and a very specific um, offering, you know, that can enhance and, and really elevate the conversation that 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 particular um, uh, inside assignment is, you know. So I feel like all mm-hmm. three of those experiences has enabled me to you know, really think through not just the creativity of what we do, but the business implication of what we do as well. Mm-hmm. It also makes you more empathetic, right? Like you've like, oh, I remember when I was in your shoes, the pressures I was getting. And that's why you're coming back to me with this response that might be kind of annoying, but I, <laughs> I get it a little yeah, more. Absolutely. I mean, you know, I mean, there, there's always human decisions behind everything, right? You know, when I was in the agency world, I used to tell my team when they would get all upset, like, I don't understand what the client wants this. I don't understand. And it's like, look, you got to think about it like this all week long. They're probably looking at spreadsheets. They're probably crunching numbers. The one and a half hours a week they spend with us in this creative space is probably the most fun they're having, you know? So yeah, they want to <laughs> get, get their hands dirty. They want to get in the idea. They want to kind of offer up suggestions. You know, you have to get a little bit more thick skin, but also to your point, using your word empathetic (laughs) as to what's motivating this person. Right. Now that I'm sitting Mm. on this side of the equation at the publisher, you know, the New York Times is an amazing coveted brand. You know, when you're working with clients there, even they want to say, look what I did, you know, hold up the ad that ran in the New York Times. You know, that's a that's a proud moment, you know, for for many people. Mm. So either way, you empathy, I think, yeah, is a perfect word, (laughs) you know, being able to understand everyone's motivations. Do you still work with agencies a lot at T-Brand and how does that relationship work? 
Um, every now and then. I mean, you know, typically we're we're working through the media agency, right, who's representing the brand. Um, but in certain instances, like, for example, with the Pixel 6 project, we didn't we didn't work directly with the agencies that were also a part of that effort. Um, but we were aware of the overall like kind of marketing mix of work that was being done. So we knew, you know, how we could support, if you will, the overall storytelling that was happening around the whole real tone technology product and offering. So it's always great to have, you know, when you do have the exposure to the agencies um, to get a better kind of purview of the above the line sort of aims and missions and goals of the work that they're doing. So that way, when we're talking on our side, you know, from a publisher side, the story gets even more robust, you know, for us to be able to talk. Mm -hmm. Mm hmm. Is there ever tension? Like, I feel like there used to be a narrative in the industry of like, oh, the publishers are launching agencies and they're trying to take oh. the agency's lunch. Like, does it ever become like stay in your lane kind of conversations or it's really pretty collaborative? Yeah, no, I don't, I don't feel like that so much, any, you know, anymore. Yeah. I mean, in the in the days of sitting at an agency and, and feeling like the the publisher is pitching something. Yeah, I could, I could, I remember, you know, those moments of feeling like, why are they doing that? You know, um, mm-hmm. but now that I'm sitting at a publisher and a publisher with a very specific audience and integrity and, and, and the quality of the work that is done here, you know, it's not as if an a, above the line agency or, you know, an AOR agency can replicate, you know, what, what the Times offers, right? So I feel like right. it's not so much as staying in your lane. It's just that a client is coming to you for a level of expertise that they know that you bring. Yeah. I think that's what's respected now. I think everybody can see that there's all types of conversations that can be had within the same conversation um, that still make the overall offering of what a brand is trying to communicate to its consumer valuable, you know, and we all play a role in that. Whereas opposed to it being competing roles, now it's like collaborative roles. Totally. Mm -hmm. So you've been um, in various creative jobs throughout your career. You now work at a company that's all about storytelling and, and journalism where do you kind of see the future of, of creativity, storytelling evolving? Like if you look at the times 10 years from now, what might that look like and where do brands fit in? Mm. Um, I'll say where I'll look at where Tim T brand would be 10 years from now. <laughs> I'm not going to, I'm not going to project what the journalism does. Right. But um, where T brand <laughs> would be 10 years from now, I do think that there's still storytelling is still going to, going to very much live in the space of, uh, connectivity to human truths and behaviors. I think that we become more and more sensitive to what is representative of each of us, what feels truthful to each of us. And I think storytelling is going to have to continue to till that soil. I don't think brands will ever be able to get away with like being an imposter. You know, I think they're going to have to continue to be more and more vulnerable, open. They're going to have to almost operate a little bit even more human than maybe now, right? They're going to have to find more ways to admit when they've, when they've misstepped or somehow really embrace what it means to be inclusive in all of their practices and the way their products are, are thought about. And I think that is going to drive much of the, the, the storytelling that we'll see going forward. It will, it will continue to just be more deeply resonant, you know, have more insightful kind of angling to it so that people can really feel as though they, they connect to it. Um, I think mm-hmm. what we see in social media is that people are interested in watching 
what others are doing because it feels like I could do it too, or I somehow relate to that moment or that feeling or that emotion. Um, and I don't think brands are going to be, you know, kind of exempt from that, from giving people mm. that feeling. Well, I'm excited to see how, how the storytelling evolves and what you guys come up with next. Thank you so much, Vita, for coming on the podcast. It's great to chat with you. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. That's all the time we have for this week. Thanks for listening and we'll see you next week. If you like what you heard, please subscribe to Campaign Chemistry on Spotify, Apple, or wherever you get your podcasts.